Welcome to Protest and Survive number two. I'm your host, Reed Dunley. In this podcast, we do interviews with people who do both creative work and activist work. Thank you so much to everybody who listened, who gave feedback, who reached out after episode number one. If you feel so inclined to send any financial support our way, you can do so at anchor.fm slash protest dash and dash survive. In episode number one, we spoke with Juan Carlos Silva, who promotes a festival in Austin, Texas called This Is Austin Not That Great, in addition to other activist work that Juan Carlos does. And in this episode, number two, we spoke with somebody who played that festival. Ali Lagout grew up around Texas and lives in New Orleans. They were playing This Is Austin Not That Great with their punk band Lassie, who sounds like this. Ollie sings in Lassie and also another amazing New Orleans punk band called Special Interest. In addition to music, Ollie also wrote and directed a short film called Lucid Noon Sunset Blush. It offers a glimpse into the lives of a group of queer people of color hustling in the South. And Ollie also works to make filmmaking more accessible to other people in their community. In this interview, we spoke a lot about representation in both music and in film, and I think what Ollie had to say about that is probably a lot more powerful than anything that I could try to summarize. Ollie said, quote, Always from the beginning, with media, with cinema shit, with music shit, I know I just want to see me, in a non-vain way, in a non-autoromantic way. I want to see black people in these positions in my life, saying these things, doing these things, and there are so many incredible people around the world that I know, and the community of that, that I know that I need the world to see. We conducted this interview on the roof of a parking garage around the corner from the venues of This Is Austin Not That Great. We spoke about creating family and community and the happiness and lack thereof that can come with that. We spoke about DIY filmmaking. We spoke about privilege at a punk festival. We spoke about marketing and tokenizing of black and queer bodies, of presenting your message on your own terms, and the pressures of being visible and loud with your art. So without further ado, here is our interview with Ollie Logout on episode number two of Protest and Survive. And a content warning, there is a brief discussion relating to suicide in this interview. Logout. I play in the band Special Interest in Lassie. I'm also a filmmaker. I'm from Texas originally, South Texas and Central. Also stayed a bit in North Texas a bit, all over. And where do you live now? Now I live in New Orleans. I hadn't traveled much before moving there, but it still has held up as a city with the best energy. I also just felt really drawn there ancestrally, and I'm still trying to figure out what my calling is in that city. your first time stepping foot in New Orleans and what it was like? Okay, what was my first time? Oh my god. It was it was really incredible. I I had a band in Texas and Denton and we were about to embark on our first little mini tour and play outside of Texas. Somebody contacted us from the internet and was like, play this festival here in New Orleans and we were like, fuck yeah. The day before, we were we booked one show in Houston, 
and then we're going to hit New Orleans. And the day before, our drummer got arrested, our guitarist, or our bassist hated our guitarist. I might be getting all these facts mixed up, but <laughs> somebody got arrested, and then somebody hated somebody else, and then everybody just, like, quit right before. And me and my one of my guitarists were just so sad, and we were at a bar, and I was still, like, underage of drinking, but we're at a bar in Denton, and... Was, I was, like, really sad about it, but we were with these, like, older punk girls who I, like, really admired, and they were like, just fucking get a drum machine and do it. Like, stop bitching. Like, just do it. Just go. And we were like, their encouragement. We were like, oh, okay. And we stayed home and canceled our show in Houston and stayed that whole day just writing a brand new set with just me and my guitarist, Pablo. And we drove straight to New Orleans and played, and it was incredible we played as a two-piece and everybody thought we were a two-piece but we were five-piece everybody was so cool and so nice and i met osa ato she has a scene called shotgun seamstress which is this black punk zine that i really admired and i met her for the first time and i freaked out and i met ramdasha beekman i didn't know who she was at the moment i just thought she was like just a cool girl from new york she's very fashionable i hadn't met anybody from new york at that point she's very like you know cool in new york fashionable and she was like I didn't know that she was like kind of one of the only black riot girls but that was my first time and it was really sweet and I just got taken in by a bunch of like black black punk girls there that just I was just so shocked it was the first time I'd ever been around that in your film that you made called lucid moon sunset blush lucid noon lucid noon yeah Sometimes I'm pretty dyslexic. No, it's okay. I'm dyslexic, actually. And the whole actually. time I thought like, it was very moon. dyslexic. Like, I were. <laughs> Poser! It's a lucid moon. Sunset blush. Sunset yeah. blush. I feel like a big part of that is people taking in other people. Yeah. Baby gays just like you always coming up in here like, house me, feed me, fuck me. It's exhausting. And this ain't a charity. You feel me? Black folks are disposable, boo. You just gotta hustle to survive. And if you're gonna stay here, you're gonna hustle. A lot of those experiences that I had in that character in the film came from previous stuff that happened in Texas, but just being like a very doe-eyed young black queer and being taken in by people who have like actually made it and like made it out, because I spent the majority of my life thinking that I was going to die any day and that this world wasn't meant for me. And it's not, it's not meant for me, but there are people in it that like have made it and made it worth living. I mean, I'm still like suicidal, but was way, way more suicidal then. And it took me just like meeting the right people to actually find my calling and like my voice within that. I feel like watching that, I kind of felt like I learned a bit about you, even though it wasn't obviously like a straight, yeah. um, retelling of your life or something mm -hmm. but I assumed that it was like a bit autobiographical yeah. or at least like your friends and your scene and whatever definitely and you know I've been like I don't know around queer spaces and with queer people but like definitely I'm not like a part of that scene or community um mm -hmm. considering that I'm not queer so yeah. like uh like can <laughs> yeah, you yeah don't come <laughs> <laughs> yeah I kind of stopped coming yeah at some yeah point don't in come. time I was kind of like why am I here we don't um, want you <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of the vibe sometimes so like can you kind of like explain what that's about I guess I was like kind of interested in team like it was like houses too not just spaces yeah but, like, people living together oh and, yeah and taking like people under your wing I mean definitely my foundation always has been punk young 
So it was like, punk is where I met the queers. And in, in my first band, I, I was just so excited to like, be away from like, Belton and like, that scene and like the home of, I mean, I was still like rampant, but I was for the first time like, feeling okay. Like I wasn't confident, but I was feeling okay that I was gay. So in Atomic Tan Lines, I just yelled about it. Like now I realize it was marketing. Like I was just like saying that we were queer and shit all the time and people like booking us with queer shit. And then that's how I met like the queers and like the queer punks and like the houses that they started and taking people in and like meeting people via like activism and like tar sand shit and just like different forms of activisms and like the like the punk was always the underlining thing. And then from there I met like the queers and then from there I met the party queers <laughs> because of like the punkness of that underlining it's like it's a very like we take people in and we take care of them and I've just seen and watched so many people get taken in and taken care of when they didn't have a place to stay or didn't have anything or were hungry just collective housings like having like a mother figure and like a father figure like finding that within like a friend group yeah. yeah so like it was houses but it, it started with like like punk houses and such to where it became like queer punk houses in my life yeah and then moved towards like the party queer scene and I don't know it's all it's all very strange yeah there's a bunch of different intersections and is that something that you've kind of come across and seen in other places like in the United States or is it like more of like a southern thing? It, I mean it is all over the place there's such like a community and it's so small and it's so scary how small it is and um, with like the particular group of like queers that I got into um, it's very small and there are like specific places and like land projects that like were really foundational in changing my life that I, I just like don't want to speak of because just I don't want everybody to like I don't want to blow the spots but those places like really changed my life like being able to like go out into the woods and see freaky gays having freaky gay sex everywhere and their music and the like just like I, I felt like so consumed and so terrified and like frigid also in those spaces because there is like a very hypersexuality in in being queer and I at that point in my life didn't feel like a, a hypersexual person and it, it sucks that like queerness is like associated with that hypersexuality because a lot of people actually aren't hypersexual in that way but but at this point in my life I'm down <laughs> so it feels fine it was just the first time I ever found myself beautiful and it's such a wild feeling to like feel like not only you have family but also that you're hot like never thought I was hot until a few years ago never and now I just think I'm the hottest shit like that I'm the hot girl in the in the room <laughs> even though I'm like all these like weird intersections I just like went home for Christmas uh, and it was just I, I just forgot that like to the rest of the world I'm literally repulsive because I like I'm a fat black dyke but in like my community like my friends think I'm hot <laughs> you know and like going home and just being like oh my god they are just 
judging every part of like the way I'm dressing. Like they're mad that my belly's hanging out, that you can see it, like that I don't wear a bra. <laughs> like just little things that I don't think of that like I let my hair grow out and the people I'm around just like, I don't know, it's just funny. Yeah. Like realizing the rest of the world finds like me repulsive. Yeah. Because within my community, I've been in such a bubble for so long now that I'm like the whole world. This is my whole world. Yeah. You know? And you've made like a better world. And I made a better world. And that's the beautiful thing about it is whenever you do find your people, it's special. It's just so special. And you find like a really special world. I guess backing it up a little bit because we kind of touched on your movie, but we didn't really talk about it that much. Mm -hmm. Or can you tell me? what that film is. Lucid Noon Sunset Blush is about being seen for the first time and that feeling of like isolation being lifted and also like the jarringness of it. It's about their world and like their love and their hustles and like the different ways that like they survive under capitalism. Listen to me, I have a oh fucking client right now. A fucking white boy. You know I have to get to a headspace to deal with a fucking fetish. Fuck out. Who is this? Fresh meat. Oh my god, don't scare her. How did you make it? I, I went to school in Denton and I studied film theory. Not production, but you had to take one production class. I did it. I'm the only person to ever go to college in my family. And so nobody gave me like a, you know, I applied to one college because my best friend was going. I got in. I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do film. And I had to take a production class, and I was producing a short film under that production class. And so I, I said that I was going to check out equipment for the short film that I was producing that I didn't have anything to do with. Uh, and I didn't think that it would happen. But he was like, yeah, you can have do pickup shots this weekend. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I've had this idea in my head for a long time. And so it took me a week. I, I, like, I called all my friends and I was like, take off work. I really need you this weekend for my movie. And once I got the okays, I started like writing. I like had the characters, but like I like put the personalities to the characters. And they got the script literally the night before. It was really cool and weird and everybody helped with everything. It was a really like collective thing. And um, everybody stayed the night at my house. It was, um, at, at the time it was really cool because we would steal from Kroger all the time. Like like we carts of food, like carts of food and wine and stuff. And this is so, it's a grocery store? Yeah, it's a, it's a grocery store. And it was incredible. So we were like eating for free at that time. So I was able to feed everybody. I had like a friend cook everybody these meals and I would just hand out my Vyvanse and give them wine because like they're not actors and so that's like my method of getting people to work is like giving them like low-key speed and alcohol and because people like freeze up in front of the camera and you can tell everybody's a non-actor um, some more than others and one of the characters actually dropped right before we were going to play or going to um, shoot, so I had to be the character, I, the character that I was in the film. Oh. Hey, you want some of my pussy, baby? Yes, uh. bitch! Tastes <laughs> like mango. I know, it was really fun and really hectic. Everybody had to have a breakdown at some point. But we got it shot in two days and then did a pickup on the third day, which was the final scene in the... In the um, back of the truck that's like really blissful 
the slow motion. Um, yeah, that's how it was made. I was reading an interview with, with your band and you spoke to the idea of just seeing yourself on stage and on record and in this band as being like an inherently political thing. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like what you were just kind of talking about is like pretty similar yeah. in, in the film world. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'll like speak to this festival. I've seen so many like of the same people doing the same things over and over on the stages the past few nights that like isn't different. And the only time I'm ever excited is when I see like people of color up there like doing this thing and knowing like how hard it was for them to overcome like the fright and like the anxiety to like get up there and to do it. It's just, it sucks, like, just see all the same shit all the time, and I'm just, I'm so done with it. And, like, punk, punk is changing, which is really exciting. It, it felt like it wasn't whenever I was in Texas. That's why I really like New Orleans, because I met, like, all those, like, black femme punks. And here, it was just all oil-rich fucking dumbass white boys that are just annoying. They're just so annoying. And that's why so many folks hate me out here, because I just talk mad shit, and I'm not gonna keep talking mad shit. I think they're boring. I think they're so boring. Like, they're all doing the same shit. They've all been doing the same shit. And they all, like, lived in, like, lives of, like, luxury and have had everything handed to them their whole lives. That's why I fuck with Juan. Like, because Juan is kind of one of the only working class kids who fucking lives out here who's, like, been actively putting on DIY shows and shit, which is work. It's fucking work. And people don't realize that that shit's work, too. People think it's so easy. But it could be easier for, like, other, other people because, like, the white kids have, like, everything in their life to fall back on. Like, if I, like, look look the way I do and, like, tattoo my body and, like, live in this, like, sphere, I can't ever go back into society. Like, a white kid can go back any day. A white kid can put on a collar and be accepted in any space if they want to. Now people are, like, talking more and they've, like, you know, they're thinking about shit, <laughs> you know? They're thinking about shit a little bit more and they're, like place in the world but they're like low-key mad that not everybody's sucking their dick but everybody still sucks their dick all the time everybody would drop to their knees and suck their dick in a heartbeat but i'm not gonna do that shit i'm not gonna do it ever again at one point in my life i really really wanted to be accepted by those kids i really wanted it i just really wanted like because it I, I felt like that's what would make me happy i didn't want to be a faggot <laughs> i didn't want to be a faggot it was scary and i like wanted to be normal but i knew i never could and I knew I'd also never be accepted. I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I feel like at least for like alternative people, mm -hmm. like to have happiness, you do need like, you need a community and yeah. you need like support and you need oh, yeah. your people. And so like that makes sense because you're talking about how it took a while to find that that scene and yeah. that community took, for you. So like yeah. when you weren't getting that from you know, the and punk I, scene I'm in like Texas. literally only hanging out with people who enrich my life and like are brilliant and I love their minds. You played this festival, or at least are playing it twice, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to DJ, and I, I don't consider myself a DJ. What was your band that played? Um, I played in the band Lassie, which is a new band of mine that kind of goes back to my eel rock and roll roots. What's your other band? Uh, Special Interest. And tell me about that band. 
Special interest is the love of my life. We just got together and it literally just felt like magic because we were all so excited of, of like what we were creating because it was so different than anything we were hearing. special project and is a lot of fun and that's the main thing about it it's just fun like so fun I, I hung out with a friend a bunch in a at a fest we played in Toronto called Not Dead Yet and she hung out with our band a bunch and she was like I can't like believe how much y'all love each other like y'all don't even like talk shit on each other <laughs> I was like well, we probably talk a little shit but like not like how just bands have issues and we don't we're just like hanging out. We just all mesh together. What does it feel like for you to get up on stage and play in this band? Oh, I feel so good. With special interest, I feel like just so myself and that I'm like saying something. And it's scary because in like other bands, I never, like when I first started special interest, like I never really imagined people listening. But like people are listening now, which is scary. And I'm thinking about my words more, but like it just feels really good and really right. And it's just fun. I feel like we just like smile and unless I'm like showing off and I'll just stare at like the audience the whole time. But I have I just like have these moments where I look at like Maria or Nathan or Ruth and we just like smile and it's just it's cute. We just have fun every single time. I feel like you're talking about like this music that you're making and these films that you're making and like a way that you're creating this art that like is kind of replacing the world around us with like a world that you want to see. Yeah, um, definitely. Is that the goal? Yeah, but like that wasn't like, unfortunately that wasn't an intention. It was just like me trying to get it all out, like trying to like vomit my feelings out into the world. Yeah. And it's cool that like, there are people who actually feel the exact same way. And so it's like a, a world that, I mean, there was a world that had like, I there's foundations to the world that I want around me and I'm just like adding my little part to it. Can you put into words like what those foundations are? Just like the, the groups of people that I do know and the minds that I know and the way that they're thinking about the world and about capitalism and about their queerness, about blackness, about just every, just the things that they're thinking, I just find so brilliant. And I mean, there's been foundations for these worlds that just like haven't been out like publicly, you know? Like nobody archives a lot of these things and it's really sad. And that's also something I'm really, especially like I've been pretty anti-interviews since like my first band just because I didn't I didn't know all the way what I was talking about or what I was feeling. All I knew is I needed to like vomit. <laughs> and I'm here, like, hi, like pay attention to what I have to say. I don't know what I'm saying, but pay attention, you know? And I had to like vomit that out into the world. But like, I don't know. Now it's it's just it's completely it's completely different and the way that people took the words that I was saying and I would like try to say one thing and then I watch it get skewed and 
a different way. And I was like, hey, that's not what I was talking about. And it made me sad. And it made me sad that, like, my body was marketable. But I didn't, like, realize that that's what I was doing by being, like, I'm in a black, queer, like, punk band. Like, like being tokenized for these things. And then, like, watching, like, people, like, interview us and, like, take pictures and, like, describe us. Like, somebody, like, described us as, like, soulful and shit. And, like, I mean, yeah, but, like, they... They didn't think, they just, they thought I had soul just because I was black or something, you know? Like, it just, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. It still hurts. It's still a thing that happens. But so I'm like trying to go about it in a different way because I have more of a grasp on what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to say. And I've struggled a lot with being like, it doesn't matter, but like realizing that it, does matter and also realizing that I do have power in that way and that has been the hardest thing because I've never ever considered myself a confident or powerful person but I keep on having people in my life being like you are and like you got to get over that because it's actually so fucked up you don't think that like you don't see what you're doing and shit and I'm like oh god oh god and like thinking of like things I have done and being like oh god like I just like I just, I just like didn't have a, like a good grasp of my reality. It's hard to have a grasp on your reality. My whole life is I've been disassociated. Like literally my whole life I have been disassociated, been scared and been in the middle of all these things. And like just recently, even like finding myself like mentally stable enough to like speak to these things and stuff. And also being like a person who does suffer like with mental illness and like not in like a way that I feel like everyone's talking about mental health, but, like, like actually, like, I have, like, issues. <laughs> like, mentally, I have issues, and it's, like, not a joke. And I had, like, a pretty intense break from reality um, a few years ago and had to go to a psych ward about it. And it's just, like, it's awful, like, not seeing yourself and not realizing that you're hurting people because you don't realize your power. And that's something that I'm trying to like own and like harvest and like put in like a the right direction and in the right way in my life right now and um yeah 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 and is it and is like being this very like visible artist and and maker or whatever does Mm -hmm. that like make it easier to own it in that way no that's it that's what made it hard because I didn't really I didn't know what I was doing but I like I had my moment I was like no, don't want to be seen. And then I was like, fuck that. Like, I have a lot to say and I have a lot to do. And I think that I could do a lot of work. And I think that I'm going to fuck up. And it's scary because since I am putting myself out there, everybody's going to watch me fuck up. And that's terrifying. I am terrified of losing people in my life. That is the thing I'm scared about the most is losing the community and the foundation. Like, I know for a fact I would not be able to survive it and I know for a fact like I would not be alive if I didn't have the people in my life that I have in my life right now so that's a really scary thing that I'm dealing with of like thinking that or just knowing that that could be something taken away from me if I like fuck up too hard in my life but like I need people to like realize that I'm growing and that I'm actively trying and I think we're all hopefully going to get to a point where we realize that and realize that like a lot of the ways in which we deal with a lot of things in our lives are like we should have more 
space or something. But like I'm just I'm actively trying to grow and actively trying to be better and also actively trying to say something and I'm not doing it for attention. Like I, I do some things for attention without a doubt. But I'm not doing that for attention. I just like always from the beginning I like with media with or like with like cinema shit and with music shit it's just like I know I just want to see me like in a non-vain way in a non-auto-romantic way like I want to see black people in these positions in my life saying these things doing these things and there are so many incredible people around the world that I know and a community of that that I know that I need the world to see is there anything else you want to talk about I can't think of anything unless I get like sentimental I've just like I've lost a lot of people and also a lot of people who I wasn't close to and just watching my friends be affected also I'm, I'm like not scared to death but I'm just like scared that like I'm just scared of what's going on or something I just like want to voice how scared I am with the world and what the world makes us do and how we cope and then also like the way like the forces of like power like weigh on us also and it's just scary and I I think I need to voice that I'm scared and I think that I need other people to voice that they're scared too because we have to do something about that but we also can't live in fear but I think it's okay to be scared and maybe that's what I want to say. Yeah.